I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. Here's my coffee, my Waffle House mug. And I am Paige, your caffeine-imbued host. And the part of the Bible we're going to be talking about today is chapter 34 of Exodus. We're, con we're continuing our little jaunt through the book of Exodus. Uh, Israel has sinned. They made the golden calf. Uh, God has forgiven them, but said that he is, that does not mean that they are going to escape discipline for what they had done. And part of that discipline is going to happen in this chapter. It might not be what you originally thought it meant when you, when I read it, but I'll explain my thinking later. So without any further ado, though, let's just jump right at it. Exodus chapter 34. Oh, and by the way, don't forget, I'm not coming at this and coming to you like I'm some great biblical scholar. I'm not. Just a guy who has made up his mind that I am going to read some of the Bible every day. And... I'm letting you in on my thought process because my tagline is, join me as I think with my mouth open. That's what I do. It's how I work through problems. It's how I study things. And in Psalms 1, it said, blessed is a man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it he meditates day and night. The word meditate carries with it the connotation of talking to yourself, muttering to yourself about something. That's what we're getting in on. It's me talking to myself as I go through the scriptures. So let's take a look at Exodus 34. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or to be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. In chapter 19, God spoke the Ten Commandments directly to Israel, if you remember. And you realize that God has manifested himself rather freely to the entire nation of Israel. Well, guess what? That's kind of coming to a stop. He's only going to manifest himself in a huge way to Moses. And I can't help, part of me can't help but think that this is part of, of his discipline of Israel. It, let me explain. When I was younger, my dad had planned an outing for the family. And uh, it was a big deal, actually. My older brother was in a rock band and they were playing in town. And dad was gonna take the family to go hear my brother's band play. I don't know what got into me. I was just a mouthy teenager and grumping about something. I don't know what the deal was. 
But I do remember that on the way in to go see my brother's band, my dad just pulled the truck over the side of the road and told me, get out, go home. I said, but it's a couple miles back that way. He said, that's fine. You can walk. And then he took off. I missed out on an opportunity to do something really cool with my family. And um, I disappointed my dad with my behavior. And he never, he never mentioned that incident to me, ever. But he excluded me from the experience that, that fa- my family was going to have. And it was going to be a cool time. Israel, because of their behavior with the golden calf and the continued grumping and, and being stiff-necked is the word that God uses to describe them, they missed out. God says, Moses, you present yourself to me there alone. I don't want anybody to come with you. Keep the people away. They got to miss out on an opportunity to experience God in a powerful way. And it's like God is starting to remove himself from manifesting himself to the entire nation. And now it's going to be through through an individual, Moses. You notice Aaron isn't even here. Aaron was the one selected by God to be Moses' spokesperson. And we all know Aaron's part in that whole golden calf debacle. So I think this is part of God's disciplining of Israel, believe it or not. He's telling Moses, all right, we're going to, I'm going to go back and get that Ten Commandments. We're going to do that again. Uh, by the way, just you. Hmm. So Moses chiseled out the two stone tablets, like the first ones, and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning, as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Now, remember back in chapter 3, God had said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Earlier, when Moses said, Who shall I say sending me? He says, Tell them I am. The Lord proclaimed his very personal name to Moses. He's letting Moses in on a very powerful privilege. He's revealing his name. And in the name, you know, your name reveals who you are. They they attached a lot of significance to the to the names of people back then. And the name meant something. In fact, there's names for God depending on uh what he was doing at any particular time. There's a there's a verse in this Old Testament called he's uh, El Roi the God who sees, the God who sees me, the God who sees my situation. Um, He is the I am, the God of the present, the God of the now. And he revealed his name, his personal name to Moses. Mm. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is a God offering forgiveness and not offering, giving forgiveness to Israel for what they had just done. He had just spoken to them about the 
uh, having no other God before me. And as soon as Moses is out of sight, man, they're baking up a golden calf and worshiping it. And here's God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. I'm so grateful that that's the God we serve. I need that forgiveness. I need his grace. I'm so glad he's slow to anger. You know, it's funny. God's mercy is still proclaimed toward Israel despite her abysmal failure. Steadfast love. Well, that's abounding love in that up in that translation. Translates a Hebrew tomb, hesed, denoting God's covenant faithfulness. That's important. His covenant faithfulness. He made a covenant. He will keep his covenant and devotion to his people. Because of God's love and faithfulness, he will not abandon his people, but dwell among them in his tabernacle. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, I always used to wonder about why that that seems so unfair, right? Well, stop and think about this. Children learn to behave and to act according to how their parents behaved and acted. And sometimes it takes several generations to break away from a pattern of behavior. Now, in my family, the Garwood males have pretty much always been gypsies. Um, they, they, they have lots of jobs in their, in their lives. And my dad worked at so many different places. He never, he always provided for us. That, that never stopped. But he never, he spent 20 years at a pulp mill. And that was probably the longest he'd ever been in one place in his life. I was in the Navy. Basically, I changed jobs every four or five years. I got out of the Navy. And then between, uh, I don't know, 91 and 2001, I worked at four or five different places. Now that's 10 years, four or five different jobs. uh, Till I landed on what I'm doing now as, a, as an entrepreneur, music teacher. Um, and if I have regrets, it's that I didn't stick with any one of those jobs. Any one of those career choices would have provided for my family much more substantially than I've actually provided for them. I was always bouncing from place to place, thing to thing. And I am so grateful that my son and my daughter, neither of them are like that. They don't have that attribute. My daughter is a hardworking young lady uh, as an actuary. She's faithful to her company. She's faithful to her job. My son is an elementary school music teacher. He's going to retire from that. He's faithful to his job. He's faithful to his profession. And they're not bouncing all over the place. They're stable. They're not moving all over the place like we did. Um, And sometimes it takes several generations for that to take place. My dad was a gypsy. I was a gypsy. And my son, the third generation of that group, and his son, the fourth generation, have moved away from that, if you want to call that a sin. So sometimes each generation earns I had to use the word punishment. 
But it says here he punishes the children's generation for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Until that lineage stops doing and perpetuating the behavior, they're going to get the same response from God. I don't know if that explains that, but that's, that's where my mind went when I was reading that. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Lord, he said, if I found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us, although this is a stiff-necked people. Forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Interesting prayer here. He didn't say, dear Lord, forgive us and give us our inheritance, the land. He said, forgive us and take us as your inheritance. That's kind of an amazing prayer. He's not asking for anything that that God would bring Israel into his family. Isn't that kind of what happened with us Gentiles? We're adopted into God's family. That's God's graciousness to forgive and to redeem. He's brought us into his family. And that's what Moses is asking. God, don't give us our inheritance. Take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. So obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you're going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Now, these Asherah poles, they were cultic objects, represented the Canaanite Canaanite goddess of fertility. Israel seems to have a proclivity towards gods of fertility. And he says he wants them to break those down, sacred trees or poles that stood beside Baal altars. Those two deities apparently went together. Don't worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, for when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons, and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. Don't make any idols. Israel, are you listening? Don't make any idols. No more golden calves. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. Eat bread made without yeast as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in that month you came out of Egypt. The first offspring of every womb belongs to me, including all the firstborn males of your livestock, whether from herd or flock. Redeem the firstborn donkey with a lamb, but do if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem all your firstborn sons. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Six days you will labor, but on the seventh day you will rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest you must rest. When you're faced with a schedule and deadline to meet, the one thing they were not to do was to work through the Sabbath. Every seventh day, rest. You need to rest. I don't rest easy. If I've got a deadline 
I see every available hour to me as an hour I can spend on doing that thing, whatever it is. And if I wasn't going to be in church, then I was going to be working. God says, no. Remember the Sabbath. Celebrate the festival of weeks and with the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the festival of ingathering at the turn of the year. Three times a year, all your men are to appear before the sovereign Lord, the God of Israel. I'll drive out nations before you. I will enlarge your territory and no one will covet your land when you go up three times each year to appear before the Lord, your God. He said, I'm going to defend you while all your men are away from the cities obeying me in this. I will protect you. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast. And don't let any of the sacrifice on the Passover festival remain until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, I don't understand all these requirements about the sacrifices. There's a lot I need to learn here. But God is a God of detail. And there are, these details are important. These details, I know this much. Yeast represents impurity. So he wants you to have bread without yeast. That's a picture of being pure, of, of pursuing purity. Beyond that, though, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with much of this stuff, but I have Jewish friends who I'm sure could take me to school and all this stuff. It's important. God is a God of detail. Then the Lord said to Moses, write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I made a covenant with you and with Israel. You might say parenthetically, again. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he'd spoken with the Lord. Moses' leadership was confirmed by the reflected light of God's glory. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant. Literally, light shining out from his face. Not just, oh, he looks really happy. Apparently, there's something very supernatural that happened with Moses from being in God's presence. They were afraid to come near him. Yeah, I'd be afraid too, because that's the glory of God. And they just had come through that whole golden calf thing, and God was really angry. They came within a hair's breadth of being destroyed. I wonder if they knew that. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. And afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. Guess what? They were the same commands that he'd given before. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. So God is a God of second chances. That's what I'm pulling out of this. He'd given Moses an opportunity to be the father of the new nation. He was ready to destroy the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that their descendants would be many and that God and that they, you know, there's a promised land for them. Um, I get that. 
But God is faithful, and he's a God of second chances. And Moses was incredibly courageous, and he turned down God's offer. Now, there's a lot to wrap my head around here. Would God have really destroyed Israel if Moses had said, all right, me and my wife, we'll start this whole thing over? I don't know. I guess we'll never know. That's, a, that's one of those theoretical things that we won't know. But I know this. God made a promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, later to become Israel, that their descendants, that the 12 descendants of Jacob would be the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. So God, God forgave. He extended graciousness, forgiveness. And he's reminding Israel once again that he is God. Now, there's going to be a price to pay for their sin and rebellion with the golden calf. The first price to pay is they don't get to come close to God anymore. That's Moses gets to do that. And it's like from this point on, God reveals himself to individuals and almost never to the entire nation again. God has spoken to the entire nation before. The first time that the commandments were given, God spoke to all of Israel. But after the golden calf on, it's like God shows up to, to certain individuals. Yes, they'll see signs and wonders, but the personal the communication between God and and the people of Israel, that diminishes. God speaks to individuals, and individuals represent God to the people. That's just a thought I had, that, but it seems, it seems appropriate. And it seems like that's kind of a conclusion you can draw from this. Well, anyway, that's enough for today. Um, we'll move on tomorrow to the next one. Um, I hope you have a great day. Christmas is coming up on us. And I hope between now and then that your days are wonderful and glorious and that your families, uh, that your families enjoy Christmas for what it is. A celebration of the incarnation of God. God became man. God with us. Emmanuel. Have a great day. Bye-bye.